Everybody listen to We're Not Wizards. Because we are the best. And we're not wizards. No matter what anybody says. Goodbye. another episode of we're not wizards my name's richard i'll be your host for february now february can be seen in a couple of different ways by february you'll realize how your new year's resolutions have gone you'll start to assess how that first month has passed you'll maybe consider changes to your routine you may decide, look yourself in the mirror every morning, look yourself up and down, realise you have to do something different. Potentially consider that today is the day you're going to start working out. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) With that in mind, I don't want you to take my money, but I do want to take your chits, because I'm speaking to Christian Kang. And take your chips, and Bravo, we're going to have ourselves a little conversation. Bravo! See? Well, that was a great podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna just end the call right here. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't realize this is an intervention. No, not at all. But let's like, let's face it. You have been um, let's <laughs> let's. Um, I mean, you bring this on yourself. I'm only saying it so you're bringing this oh, on yourself. Is because absolutely. there is a certain. There's a certain phrase that you have been saying every single day for goodness knows how long. And it is the simple fact that if you go in and because I do occasionally do some research and I thought I didn't want to look like a Muppet. I'll do some research. (laughs) I googled your name and there's always nowadays there's a little Twitter tab Mm -hmm. that says what your last tweets were. Oh, I didn't know that. All the same. That's that's terrible for me, actually. <laughs> at this Today's point, it. at this point, um, the lines have really blurred. I, I don't know if I'm, you know, fully human anymore. Have I made the transition to full bot? I don't know, but um, it's something that I struggle with daily. You know, this, you're this. potentially going to get suspended from Twitter, and it is going to be. Do you think this person is just spam? So you could you could end up being a tightly packed bit of meat in a tin. Because that is what spam is over in the UK. <laughs> you can you can look it up. It's, it's you know when people say spam anywhere else, it's like, well, that's just useless mail that I get, or it's just stuff that you know, it's just stuff that's a robot or something that's just you know, it's no good to us. Whereas well, over here, and you can Google it, spam is a tasty meal. What it's it's meat in a can. Well, hey, and you get you get deep fried so- spam. So there you go. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I might be of the minority here, but I actually really like spam. Not like internet spam. I'm talking about mm. sp- spam in a can, you know? Mm. Um, of course, I never eat it straight out of the can, um, or at least not publicly where other people are. But um, 
it is i i think it's delicious there's like um a hawaiian food called the spam musubi which is basically just sushi with like 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 rice with spam on top of it and grilled in teriyaki sauce um i think it's a nice cheap way to have something that tastes like meat uh marinated with salt so i'm you know i'm i'm a fan i'm i'm not i'm not complaining i eat mcdonald's as well so you know i'm not a snob about that i think you just have to accept i think there's the pleasures in life that you have to accept that you're going to enjoy you're going to you're going to like and you're going to love um i didn't come on here to talk about food groups and stuff like that <laughs> we are kind of here to talk about um mm-hmm. the the kind of um content we are mm. going to talk about videos we have to talk about a little bit about a video that you got involved in for the unsettled campaign on orange nebula um i want to kind of do a little bit of a pick around your brain christian i want to delve into the the dark corners of your mind and i want to say as you know as a you know as a young child growing up i mean were you the type of child that liked the kind of the attention the kind of the limelight were you the kind of kid who was always appearing on the home movies and stuff like that you know, hmm. were you always quite, were you a little bit boisterous or were you always quite, you know, were you a little bit kind of quiet, subdued kind of when you were growing up? Yeah, um, I think this is this is the question that I've kind of been asking myself recently too because um, um, I'm quickly approaching 30 and this is in my mind the age when people are, at, at least as a child, when, when I thought of like an adult, I thought 30 mm-hmm. was like the age when you sort of have everything figured out and I'm, I feel nowhere near... <laughs> having anything figured out um and so as i've started to approach the age of 30 i have begun to kind of become a little bit more self-reflective and and one of those the questions that i'm asking is like was i was i always like this is this something that has been like a recent development um what what is wrong with me basically and at this point um i i, I think the reason why this question is not so straightforward to answer for me is is and and this is my working theory is that um, it's 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 a little complicated because I am naturally a little bit more of like a shy, more modest person, or, or I certainly come from that kind of a household, and I'm sure you know race and culture play a part in that as well, and and I, yeah. I don't know to what degree, but um, I think my natural sort of completely uninhibited tendency would be to be a little bit more more outgoing and boisterous and performative and, 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 um, a little bit more off the wall. And, and I've always enjoyed sort of, um, being creative in some way, but being creative for the purposes of entertaining people. Um, and there are little, like little, like glimpses of that throughout my childhood. Um, I remember one Christmas I received this, this like back when cassettes were not, completely archaic um i received a <laughs> this sort of like like dj cassette recorder type thing and you could plug it into like your radio and yeah it had like a mic attachment to it. it was just this like cheap thing but it was for for children and i basically like recorded my own radio show like i, I put a blank cassette in there and then i would listen to the radio and record songs that i liked onto it and then yeah. i would like 
in the middle in between songs be like and that was such and such song and like here's the next <laughs> song for you for all you listeners out there and wow. um I, re- I recorded this like little radio show um on this thing and, and and i have like little memories of things that i would do kind of like that and and things that i'd forgotten um and so so i think i've always sort of been like that but it, it hasn't maybe shown up in um in a way that uh, maybe some other other entertainers, um, it show you know it shows as as explicitly or or obviously in a, in other entertainers. Yeah, I think you have memories when you're younger of how you think you were, mm. <laughs> and then as you get older, you go actually as you become a more acceptance of yourself. I think mm. you get to go actually I am just you know I am just like that. I am the type of person <laughs> that you know. If I ever am at a business meeting and it's a room of like 15 people, when we walk away two hours later, everybody kind of knows my name because I've always kind of been not ridiculous, but I've always kind of been quite out there and vocal. And then there's parts of me that will get in the car and go, why, why did you have to be out there and vocal? Why weren't you just <laughs> being normal, like kind of quiet and every, you know, kind of everything else? And I think when you get to even older, you start to do a little bit of an acceptance and you either go down the stubborn route and say, well, I'm never going to change because I've always been like that. Or you kind of accept, well, I am kind of like that, but there are kind of certain things that you mm. can, that you can kind of, they can kind of do. Um, <clears throat> were you the same in school then? I mean, has this always been the kind of thing? Because you, you say, no, you know, I yeah. was like to think I was kind of quiet and stuff like that. But then, you know, I recorded an entire radio show. <laughs> kind of thing. That's <laughs> like, you know, it's like saying, you know, did you like Lego? Well, you know, I did make an entire replica of Paris when I was seven. Um, <laughs> <laughs> kind of thing. But I mean, did that, did that then show itself again, kind of like, kind of through education? and things like that as well i mean did you were you kind of like taking part were you like a drama type person and stuff Mm. like that did you do the acting did you take part in the kind of the musical stuff at school and things like that too uh the the, i i was always a fairly decent student up until Mm. i would say like the beginning of high school and part of that Mm. but i think it wasn't because i loved school or anything like that or you know i certainly didn't have like um you know the stereotypical asian parent um sort of uh pressure mm-hmm. um however the i think i was I, I i think i did well in school because it was for me at least it was fairly easy up through middle school it, um at least that was my experience and then when high school came around it was a lot harder you know it was more serious people were were thinking about going to college and yeah. and how you know it yeah it was just a lot more and so you couldn't kind of just sort of like ride the wave all through school, um, at least for me. And um, yeah, and so I think when I think back on how I was in the United States education system here in Washington State, I, um, I've i always sort of, I, I think I've always enjoyed learning I, and, I, and I've always tried to express myself creatively through whatever activity I've done. Um, so um, you know, if there's a book report that we had to do, like in elementary school, I would write uh, like a story to go along with it. Or, um, if, or if there was some sort of like a presentation I'd have to give, I would always provide some sort of like a visual 
reference. Um, I would draw a picture or a diagram or something. Um, and so there was always these little ways that I was being creative. However, I think as I was being pushed through this school system, um, I what I'm realizing now is that I really didn't like the structure of it. And it was just a little bit too... Um, it felt too inhibiting for someone like me who is much more of a free spirit, very, very creative and um, sort of like a non, I feel like I'm like a nonlinear thinker. Um, so I, th and I think that's one of the reasons why I didn't want to do take like art class in, in high school or do drama or, or mm. band or whatever. I did end up doing band just because you got to go on amazing trips across the United <laughs> States um, to these band festivals, which are really just excuses to go to like theme parks and hang out with your yeah. friends and stuff. Um, but, and so I was plugged into the music community at my school mm. in high school and, and I was, um, but I spent a lot more time uh, in my rock band that I had in high school and we were we would play at school assemblies I remember this is how bad of a student I was um and how much I hated school I I want to hear this yeah so <laughs> <laughs> I had I believe it was a paper or a test or something due um um during the week and I was not prepared for it in the slightest and in order to you know give myself a little extra time to study I had my mom sign a note saying that I was sick. So I was basically sick for that entire week or, you know, quote unquote sick and didn't show up to class um, so that I could take the test at a later time. However, there was a spirit assembly that was happening at the end of that week. And we, my band was supposed to play at that assembly. And so, of course, I skipped school and didn't go to class or anything but i showed up for that assembly uh in order to play in order to play it because i loved music and i loved the band and everything um probably not the smartest move in retrospect um and nothing really came out of it other than yeah nothing really there was no real consequence for that however um it just kind of shows where my mind was at as a student um just not what did you do in the band all. i mean what were you doing in the band? What did you play? Were you the player? Did you sing? What was it you did? Yeah, I was the front man. So I I played the guitar, I sang, and I wrote all the music as well. See, this is all I'm hearing is like, oh, I'm quite I was quite quiet and reserved. And so <laughs> and so far and so far we've you know we're now into radio shows and now oh no and then, you know, there was that time that I did the front man thing for the band. And then there was that other time that, you know, that I invented the slosh <laughs> and um, I fought off those aliens. And then um, I met Simon Cowell in a lift and I told him about how X Factor might be a really good thing to do. And, you know, but <clears throat> how long did the band go on? Um, was, it the band, a, was it quite a while? <laughs> that was, in my mind, that was what I was going to do for the rest of my life. Um, wow. So it was super serious and maybe a little bit more serious than it had to be for a high schooler who was hanging out with people and in a band with people who just kind of wanted to have fun. Um, but that was that went on after we graduated. Um, most of the bandmates stayed in the Seattle area for college. So we yeah. continued to play and continued to gig. Um, there's a couple band members who um went down to california so we had to kind of replace them um yeah so i did that 
I want to say through the first two years of college, and then it sort of it sort of just dissolved at that point. Um, I transferred schools to the uh, the main state university and got involved in some other programs and stuff. So I didn't have as much time. Um, and actually, since that point, I haven't really played music in a serious or semi-professional capacity until recently. And so recently, I've kind of rediscovered this old love for music and and I've started mm-hmm. writing music again. And um, it's I, I want to be careful with how I approach it because I'm having a lot of fun doing it and I don't want to turn it into that like like a, like a job, right? Just just to make money or just to to gain fans. I want to kind of keep it as pure as possible because I I am enjoying it so much. So I am cautious about how I am proceeding, but I am I have rediscovered songwriting as as another creative outlet for myself recently. So what kind of stuff were you singing then when you were in the band and? You know, how does that compare to kind of what you're doing just now? I mean, was it like a rocky type band or was it like indie stuff kind of like that, you know? Yeah, it was, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a very kind of, I want to say I'm a pretty laid back person and Mm -hmm. I'm kind of a fairly positive person and also a very like soft person. Um, not necessarily physically, but, uh, like my personality is kind of soft and, Mm -hmm. um, so my music was always a bit more mellow and a bit more like happy and cheerful, but it was, it was definitely rock. Um, we played with distortion and, you know, I was jumping off of my guitar amp and <laughs> I, you know, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I, and, and I think reflective of kind of that youthful energy that you have as a high school student. Yeah. Yeah. But now I'm, I'm a little bit, you know, life, Life is complex, life is hard, and I've lived mm-hmm. a lot more of it now. Still young, but um, so I find myself now kind of diving into more of like a singer-songwriter thing, and that's something that has always appealed to me, but maybe I didn't have the maturity or the um, kind of life experience to be able to s- say say anything of value, really, or say anything that uh, interesting. And um, But now I feel like I have something to contribute with my voice and um, with my writing. So I've kind of been diving more into like, um, well, people, people who have heard my music basically say that I'm like the Asian James Taylor. Oh, right. Okay. So yeah, that's like, that's like, that's honestly a pretty good, uh, comparison. But I mean, are you going, is this going to give you an excuse to go and get some kind of ridiculous hairstyles in if you're going back into music? I mean, are you considering dyeing your hair? <laughs> In any way, shape, or form, are you potentially going to be wearing one of those, like you know, headbands that they always used to wear? That's the end in, goal, in Richard. Bands. Yeah, I'm not Is quite there it? yet, but yeah, I'm I'm working my way. I have like a five year plan, and uh, it's like a tiered system. And you know, hopefully, by the end of the five years, I'm going full deep cut V neck leotard, um, going full David Lee Roth. That is that is you know that's the dream. Mustache. Yeah, absolutely. Now it, I may have to get hair tra- a hair transplant on my where my facial hair should be, um, uh-huh. as someone who doesn't grow a lot. But um, you know, I'll 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 do what it takes to get it done. I think that I think that's the proper that's the I think that's the kind of the proper way, the proper kind of way forward. <laughs> really, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm dying to I'm dying to know the type of songs 
that you're kind of that you're singing and mm. in some way one some way shape or form or another we shall make sure that we try and uh, we'll try and you're going to send me some this is what's going <laughs> to <laughs> okay all right this is how it's good this is how it's going down and we you know we could potentially use it as outro music I'm, that, mm. I'm just putting that in now we can yeah. obviously remove that kind of later but you know i don't edit so we're all we're all in trouble and everybody said yes and everybody's kind of made made promises <laughs> um when it comes to creative stuff or creating things the creative process are you the type of person that if I give you an idea, you'll just go ahead and you'll produce 15 different things. Or are you quite a methodical person that you'll have an idea, you'll give something a lot of thought before you actually go ahead and kind of produce or perform the kind of final thing? You you mentioned you're quite methodical in your videos and, and the amount of editing that you that you do. Um, so do you generally do like a lot of planning in any of your kind of your like creative output? Um, it's definitely a combination. I think my natural inclination is certainly, um, you know, ideas are just constantly, you know, popping off off the top of my head. Mm. Um, however, not all of those ideas are good, but what that does is it allows me to kind of have sort of like a springboard to jump off of. And, um, but what I found is that if there are no limitations whatsoever, then it's a lot harder to come up with a solid idea. Um, and something that is, um, in in this case of video, something that is mm-hmm. interesting and targeted and uh, focused. Um, and so usually what I'll do, and, and it's a little bit, my approach has changed a little bit now that I've shifted a little bit away from kind of the entertainment YouTube channel with Take Your Chits and more toward uh, producing marketing videos for publishers. Yeah. Um, the, the approach now is more just understanding that publishers are running a business, they're trying to sell product and uh, they're trying to find the best way to extend their reach. And, you know, the people, publishers have different goals with the videos they want produced. And for me, the biggest, the biggest step of the process and probably the most foundational um, is to really get a good sense for who the publisher is, uh, what their needs are as a business, what they want accomplished through whatever campaign it is that requires this video work and the last or and figure out who they're trying to reach with this and then the last step is actually trying to figure out what sort of video would fit with their needs so um it is a little bit uh like it's a little counter to the the natural sort of like spontaneous idea creation and, and exciting um uh like inspired creative process that I that I really like however yeah it is one of those things that it's also incredibly gratifying it's a lot of hard work but it's incredibly gratifying to be able to produce something that um you know really is able to capture the essence or or uh yeah capture the essence of a product or an experience and and be able to to provide a strong business result in a way that um a publisher you know is looking for and um yeah so I I think to answer your question, it's it's a combination of both. You need that framework, um, especially for these kind of brand videos. Um, but it does help to have a nice list to to kind of jump off from of, of different ideas. Is that what you do as a day job? Are you involved in kind of creative industries yourself on a day to day basis? 
Um, so I come from a. I was in Seattle. Like uh, Seattle has this um, amazing, you know, just this plethora of technology companies, and uh, we have like Amazon here. You know, Microsoft mm-hmm. is headquartered here, obviously, and um, you know we have Facebook and Google offices here. And and with that, it's kind of become sort of like another Silicon Valley. And so I was working at a software company for about four years, but I found it to be a little bit stifling creatively. Yeah. Um, and and part of the reason, um, or or one of the things that kind of um, pushed me to leave technology as as lucrative and as as you know glamorous as it as as it is in this area was the fact that I was doing take your chits, and so from there I, I kind of have now through a long journey uh sort of settled on doing these marketing videos for businesses um and that is that's like one of the things that i do but uh yeah like my day job right now is um i work as the director of marketing and media creation for a small financial planning company so um, (laughs) the industry is one that uh like like my dad works in in finance and hasn't worked in finance for a very long time so yeah. it's something that i've kind of been familiar with um not the most you know sexy of industries to be a part of but um yeah i would say on a daily basis i am doing something creative yeah every day as part of my day job well, i mean it's not all about sexy all the time i mean if you've got something that needs to put spam on your table <laughs> You know, it can yes. be as unsexy as it wants. I mean, you know, um, for a lot of people, I know that you're, <clears throat> some people are doing completely different jobs from what they do mm. kind of outside their work, you know. So, but um, for you with the videos, I mean, what what first started you with Take Your Chits in the first place? Mm. Yeah, I think the... Let's see. I I, I want to say Take Your Chits is almost three years old now, and mm-hmm. um, I it was a- pretty active for about two and a half years, two years or so. Um, but three years ago when it started, I was starting to get into board games um, with some of my family members and friends, and it was just this amazing world of just in person social. Like it's it's such an amazing like. It, it, I hadn't experienced anything quite like it before. Um, obviously, I played like card, you know, playing card games and and games like Uno or Connect Four and things like that. But yeah. um, to be able to get together and just have this like contained exper- thematic experience that kind of teleports you to another place and um, is just it was addicting and and I wanted more of it and. As I got deeper and deeper into the hobby, um, and I was researching more games to buy and and trying to figure out, you know, what what the next game would be for me to purchase for my group, I found that like the only videos that I was seeing that that were really popular or that were popping up in the results were videos like the Dice Tower or um, you know these longer videos, longer form content that were sometimes even like twenty five minutes long, and you know just people. No edits, just talking in front of a bookshelf full of games. Yeah. And um, the the landscape of media in board gaming has changed dramatically since then. But I think when I first entered, there was just really no content that I was used to seeing coming from like a more mainstream YouTube, um, you know, place 
a context. And so that just sort of got me thinking like, hey, I really like board games and this is something that's, that could be like a cool creative outlet for me and I'm not seeing the type of content that I'm used to seeing. So maybe like I will try to do or create or put out something that is very like very much the opposite of what I'm what I'm seeing currently in the space. And um, yeah, so that was really my goal. Just really, really um, short, sharply edited YouTube content and my first videos are not, you know, that, that great. But, um, I remember the second video I posted actually got boosted to the top of the board game subreddit. And it was like re reblogged on Will Wheaton's mm-hmm. Tumblr blog as well. <laughs> and just like Rodney Smith commented on it. And it was like for someone who, and, and overnight I, I got 500 subscribers, which at the time I think for the scale of the board gaming online community was just absolutely tremendous and um yeah for someone who had just started it was like it was like i don't know it was like a drug you know i was just hooked and it was flattered and that was the most exciting weekend i've had i have had in a long time you know (laughs) i think it's just um when you get something like that and i think there's still people that chase that and there's two types of acknowledgement and there's acknowledgement of mm-hmm. just somebody saying, that's a good job. And then there's the acknowledgement of your peers and things like that when you get somebody like Rodney Smith or, mm. you know, Paul Grogan or, you know, mm-hmm. anyone, you know, Suzanne Sheldon going, that was a, you know, damn fine, you know, damn fine job you did. Yeah. Um, but when you do that, there's the, the danger of it gets you in the mindset to say, well, unless you're disciplined to say, what else can I do in order to get that? kind of same reaction again I mean when you were creating the videos were you do you end up putting yourself under pressure to make sure that you are kind of releasing content to a certain standard do you become do you end up almost Mm. becoming like your own worst enemy by retaking stuff that was fine would have done really really well but you just wanted to do kind of like one more take Can you? Is it easy to end up in that kind of situation? You know, and and uh, I'm obviously preaching to the choir here. Um, You, as you know, someone who has their own podcast and is a content creator themselves, um, you know, I find that content creation is such a weird. It's just so messy. Uh, It's just tied up in all sorts of emotions, and um, yeah. So I found that for myself. Um, that's a good question. I I think that it is to say that I was outside of the influence of trying to create these hits over and over again, Mm -hmm. um, would be dishonest. Um, I think just, it is sort of human, um, to, to want validation in, in any form from your peers or from other people. And it's no different with creating content. I think, um, anyone who says that they are completely pure and, and has where that doesn't affect them whatsoever. I don't think that's being honest. Um, it's there in some form or capacity. Um, yeah. And as, as I, you know, after, after that video, I certainly, 
I, I, I don't know. That's, um, hmm. I, I feel like there's a lot to unpack with that. Um, and I will just kind of give you the short answer of, uh, it, it, it's, it's sort of like a cycle. Sometimes I'm, you know, seeking or, or, or purposefully crafting something of a certain quality or of a certain, with a certain desired result of, uh, becoming popular or viral or whatever. But there are other times where I either get sick of it or I really just want to make something just for myself or I'm passionate about a certain topic or, or something. And, um, I'm doing it purely for the purpose of creation. And, um, ironically, I think the, the videos that, um, come from that place are the ones that have been received, um, you know, the best. Yeah. I mean, I have my favorite episodes of my own show. Mm, <laughs> I'm yes. not going to lie. You know, there's episodes that, but I don't decide which ones get received the best. Right. I have no control over and, and it's not, and it's not even necessarily, um, by downloads because I know I download podcasts for because people that I know make podcasts and I won't always get the time just to listen to mm. other people's podcasts. I mean, I think everybody's the same. I think people, you subscribe to people's channels on YouTube to give them a boost, but that doesn't mean that I'm sitting there waiting on every single time a new video comes out. You're not? But, um, it, no. <laughs> I don't, I don't have the time, you know, you know, the, you of know, course, I, of course. I just, you know, it's just one of those, you know, well, occasionally, yes, I do. It depends who's making them. I obviously have my favorites. I obviously have ones I just automatically kind of skip to the end. This is just the way that it is Christian, you know, they just, people just have to deal with it. But I think there's, um, I think it's incredibly difficult to second guess, um, what the market is looking for and what the market is wanting at the moment. And I think some people, their time happens. And I see, I see there's two types of people. There's people that just, they just, they just do content and they, they let the audience find them. And they, they, you don't see them all of a sudden go from zero to hero. They don't go from kind of like 10 subscribers to 20,000 subscribers over the space of a weekend. You know, they're not that type of person. However, they're constantly there and they are constantly growing and eventually they have a huge fan base and everybody's mm. kind of there. So I see these, you know, type of people. I also see people who um, try and chase what's mm -hmm. happening mm -hmm. and changing their format. And I don't know if that's a case of being unha unhappy with what, they're expecting one of the the funniest things are, no one of the good things about YouTube is every, it's an open book everybody sees what everybody else is doing in terms of subscribers in terms of kind of views in terms of likes in terms of dislikes and stuff like that my side of things podcasting is a completely different thing people decide whether or not they're going to let other people know what their downloads are mm. so it's kind of like it's a it's a you know it's a I, I, I put the stats out there because I'm now at the point it's like, well, it's just people are going to look at it and not look at it. And we get kind of what I would call numbers that I'm always happy. I'm always happy if more than one person downloads the show that isn't me <laughs> kind of thing. Um, and what I guess what I'm saying is I do see people that are kind of like chasing to be the next big thing on what they expect. And they're never, ever 100% happy because 
they should be doing what they're happy with doing instead of doing what they expect people to do kind of thing. I think that's one of the reasons that Shut Up and Sit Down have been going on for so long. It's one of the reasons that Rodney is probably going to outlast all these other 20 million other people that put out playthrough videos because Rodney does the same thing every single time without <laughs> fail. You know, it's to the point where, you know, um, where Paula was able to do an impression of of him and everybody yeah. got who it was straight away because that's what he does without fail. And I think there's that kind of, that kind of familiarity and you end up kind of creating a kind of a brand. Um, how... With the, I mean, did did you? I mean, going back to what I was saying, the the standards that you have, are there ideas which just that you have filmed with, just you've never ever uploaded that you've just went, nah, this isn't, this isn't up to to scratch. I'm just going to leave this on the chopping room floor, kind of thing. Yeah, um, absolutely. There, I want to say, probably a dozen videos that I haven't uploaded just because I didn't think they were that great. I mean, I, I found that, yeah, like I found, because like, kind of like what you're saying, um, the, the, with YouTube, it is an open book. Everyone is, can see everything and, and it, it is an incredibly vulnerable thing where, um, if you don't upload something that's good and it doesn't do that well, honestly, no one probably cares that much, but it feels like everyone cares and yeah. Yeah. And so, um, there is, at least for myself, there was definitely this pressure to sort of, okay, I need to just continue to like one up myself and do a better and better job, um, which is exhausting. And, and, you know, you get burnt out doing that. However, um, kind of through that process, there are a lot of videos too, where I'll film part of it and the excitement will sort of die out because I'm like, oh, I need to film some B-roll for it, but I'll do it tomorrow mm. or I'll do it the next day. And then, you know, two weeks later, I'm like, okay, well, I, I'm not that excited about this video anymore. The initial sort of um, inspiration is gone and has died. So, you know, the videos just never get uploaded. Um, and there's also cases where I look back and I'm like, oh, that, I, what, why, why did I think that was good? There's just, you know, the lighting was bad or the audio didn't work out or whatever. And you just, it's too much of a hassle to kind of re-record it. Um, I get that. Yeah. Con I get that constantly. I mean, especially with videos, I've I've wanted to um, I've wanted to do so many little stupid videos because mm. I'm you know I'm incredibly funny. Um, <laughs> yes, you, you are, know, and I am incredibly funny, and I know that, and you know, and I know if I took if I took to video, but my issue is it's exactly what you say. You've got to, um, and I was speaking to was it um, Emma Zaja. Um, mm. The Pointless Parrot podcast. She's fantastic, but she's like, I've got to go out and take a video right now and do it. And whether it turns out looks rubbish or not, I'm going to put the video out there for everybody to see it because it's not necessarily the production values. Yeah. It's the kind of the, it's kind of the idea, making sure the idea's out. And my issue is that I don't, I'm very conscious of what I look like in video. And if I'm going to be putting myself in video, Damn, I'm going to be lit well. <laughs> I'm going to be putting out just <laughs> you know. I'm going to be like you know, I'm ready for my close up, Mister Demille. Um, you know that kind of thing, and yeah. like Gloria Swanson, and um, you know, except with with no hair, and um, but 
you know, that kind of thing. And I, I see exactly where you're coming from because at the point you're like, it's very, there's an infection with an idea. And if you manage to capture that idea in the moment, then people will take that and they'll say, that's brilliant. Um, but it's really, really difficult to keep that kind of energy up, especially if you're doing something on repeat for the third or fourth time. Yeah. And I think it's maybe why for me, and this is just me, podcasting will always work maybe better for me than doing video. Mm. Only because I know that if I said to you, oh, I didn't like this bit, can we do it again? That's fine, once. <laughs> but we can't, unless I'm saying, okay, your check for $15,000 is going to be in the mail by tomorrow kind of thing. There's no way you're going to then sit through a six-hour kind of recording session just to make sure I sound as good as I can. Right. Because that just doesn't, that just kind of doesn't, that just kind of doesn't work. So I know exactly kind of where you're, where you're kind of, where you're kind of coming from. So did that, did that then spurn you on to look at other things? Did that then say, right, let's look at the, the marketing videos, the, hmm promotion stuff um i think that just sort of happened um organically um mm. and, and i think there is kind of to you know go back to uh, you know take a couple steps back and and talk about a previous point you were making i think there's a certain point where i started to feel very comfortable shooting video and there is definitely that sort of inertia that you have to overcome whenever you shoot video because it's such a process there's there's so many elements mm -hmm. to it whereas with audio you're just looking at just the audio right and there's a lot yeah. you can do with that however with video it's moving there's you can have different camera angles uh lighting is something that you need to keep in mind plus audio and so i think yeah there like i was saying there's a certain point where i felt okay like i i've got this i i kind of understand the fundamentals and I've, I've integrated them because of how many videos I've shot and, and how long I've been doing this and, and just sort of the dedication that I've put into learning about this. And um, so now I'm at a point, well, uh, clearly now, but um, there's, there's a certain point where I, where it wasn't so hard anymore. And the, the shooting a video didn't take that long and mm -hmm. the setup and all the, the trial and error that comes with video making, um, didn't take that long because I sort of knew how to do things. And I think what it is, is, and this is, this is what I tell a lot of newer content creators or people who um, are frustrated with um, shooting video in particular is that like you really shouldn't be that hard on yourself about it because it is incredibly hard and there's so many moving pieces and um, things that can go wrong and so many links in the chain. And if, uh, any one of them is weak then um you know it's going to degrade the quality of your of the content and mm -hmm. um and beyond just production value right is the content itself good is it engaging um are you telling an, a story that's interesting is it uh, are you editing it in a way that is punchy and and is um you know delivering the message of your content um in an effective way and so yeah i think there is a point of proficiency that i i, I keep trying to tell people 
that, you know, just, just don't worry about it. Like eventually you're going to get to a point where you are proficient and you don't have to think about those things as much and it doesn't bother you so much. And editing isn't such a drag. It's actually a creative process. And, um, I think of it kind of like music where, you know, you have to sit down and learn your scales. You have to, uh, you know, work on your, you know, picking and fingering technique on the guitar and, um, at first it's really hard and you have to practice for hours and hours and hours just to be able to play chords for one song. But eventually you're, you know, you can sight read music, you're playing chords really easily. You can play lead parts and you can combine all those things and eventually it becomes just sort of a, an integrated part of your, your consciousness and you're just expressing yourself musically rather than constantly thinking and focusing on how your fingers are positioned on the fretboard. Um, mm-hmm. and so, um, after I had reached that point of sort of video making proficiency, if, um, if we will call it that, um, that's when I started to become more and more interested in potentially doing this for other people. And, um, yeah, and, and I had been getting some requests to do, uh, some branded videos for take your chits for, for publishers and yeah. kind of through that, that sort of process and just having a network built up from doing it for for a while going to conventions and meeting people and stuff um i don't know it just sort of like naturally transitioned uh to me doing that sort of thing and and um at a certain point i realized okay this is this is something that i can do that will provide a lot of value for these companies and um and i can do it in a specific way that i'm not seeing um other you know, video providers do it in. And, um, I guess it's sort of similar to, to my approach to take your chits initially, where I, I, I was saying, I did, don't see a lot of content that is being produced in the way that I'm used to it being seen or in a way that I find, um, would be an expressive mode of expression. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the orange, let's talk about the orange nebula mm-hmm. video for unsettled. Because um, I shared that Kickstarter video and I also messaged you, which is one of the reasons yes. you're, we're probably talking just now, because I messaged you because um, I don't usually watch Kickstarter videos, unless the ones I'm doing voiceovers for, because um, mm. I am available for voiceovers. <laughs> but um, I never, normally, I, as I say, and I've said this before, normally on like something like this, it is kind of like, it's the kind of the grim, dark, blah, 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 kind of big voice, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Time of peace, time of war kind mm-hmm. of thing. And then there was this kind of thing that came from left of field and it started off by, there was no game. <laughs> there was three people sitting around a table at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all oh, right. And the lighting was kind of completely different. And um, and the, and just the, the entire idea and execution was kind of like, I ended up watching the whole thing, which I must admit, I don't usually do for kickstarter videos mm. because i as you said yourself they're a bit of a <laughs> with the best will in the world it's if you're a kickstarter creator you've got 150 million things to do and sometimes things just become a tick to get it off the list yeah, absolutely and i know that for a lot of people i know for maybe the bigger brands out there the guys that you know in some ways can have a video production department for a lot of people they are doing a video for kickstarter because they've been told they've got to do a video yeah. for kickstarter and no other and no other kind of reason um in terms of the orange nebula thing was it 
who approached who? Did you go and pitch to them or? Um, no, I don't. So because, um, so I, the, the company that I, the video production company that I run is called TYC Creative. Um, mm. Because TYC is not my main source of income, it's just kind of something that I do on the side as a way to, you know, make a little side money, but but really just to do something that, that I'm passionate about, but, um, in, 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 in an industry that I, that I really like, mm-hmm. um, I don't typically go and pitch jobs because I'm, I'm not reliant on this as income, um, yeah, which yeah. has been a great, you know, kind of point of leverage for me that I've been able to use to negotiate when, you know, companies try to lowball me and stuff. But, um, no, so Orange Nebula actually approached me and they said, hey, like we saw the stuff that you've done with uh, Keymaster Games on Parks and mm-hmm. um, Roxley Games on the Iron Clays and Iron Spades campaign that they did. Um, mm-hmm. We think that it would be awesome to work with you and, and you know, we have this idea and, you know, we want to see what you can kind of come up with. And so let's let's start talking and see if this would be a good partnership. And we'd actually been talking for a while. Um, I want to say like back when take your chits had like 500 subscribers or something They they, I had actually inter interfaced with them at some point on some branded content. Um, but for whatever reason, it just kind of didn't end up working out. And, you know, we kind of came full circle recently with this, with this project here. And, um, it was a lot of fun. There, there was like kind of like what you're saying. We really wanted to do something different than any other Kickstarter video in the board game space that had been done before. And they are also a company that likes to do things very differently. They, they are very focused on high production. They're focused mm-hmm. on experience. They're focused on, and you know, of course, this is stuff that maybe some other companies would say as well. But they don't come from a traditional board game publishing like background they they come there they are a design and branding studio yeah. right and they they do they work with brands to help them kind of um create like a cohesive brand image and so i think that's part of the reason why they are drawn to work with me because of you know obviously a certain level of quality um they'd seen um the work that i'd done with some of the other publishers and and saw that you know that would be a good good fit with them and so when we were approaching this campaign it was the the instruction that they gave me basically amounted to just be different and that was one incredibly liberating um to have a publisher um or or i was just very appreciative to have a publisher willing to take that risk um on something that they'd been working on for such a long time and I think ultimately that resulted in a much more effective result. And, and like you're saying, I had a lot of people telling me that or in, and commenting that they never watch Kickstarter videos and they, but they watched this one all the way through. And I think that was sort of the goal with this was that this game in particular is so it is so like storyline character driven, um, but mm-hmm. it's a sandbox experience, right? And and um, kind of sucks you into the world. And they've done such a good job of fleshing out this world and, and creating this this strange 
space world that is unfamiliar and and you know weird and and there's a lot of uncertainty like this new planet like what what's going to happen here what is this like gooey stuff that i'm seeing right and there's all just this everything is new and different and we wanted to create this uh we wanted to basically be able to to express that experience in a video rather than the typical marketing video that you see which is just kind of like a spec sheet that's being read off there are x amount of plastic miniatures there is yeah you know yeah. these many cards you know it plays like this and um that's fine right that's fine to do that if, if that's what you want to do but this is the top line you know the top video like this is the first point of contact for a lot of buyers potential backers and um I don't know, like like if you have people who are going to your campaign to back because they're already sold on it, sure, a video like that would be helpful for them. But there's a lot of people who don't know about you, your brand or your game or anything about it. And you want to you want to grab them and you want to say, hey, this is something that you might be interested in. And then the rest of the campaign, um, you want you want to have them scroll down and see the rest of the campaign. So um, we. Yeah, well, the way we approached this was basically like, let's do something that explained or that kind of represents the game experience that you would have. And so we we thought of this idea of sort of, because it's so thematic, maybe like acting it out. And so we had some of the members of the Orange Nebula team um, volunteer to act in this video. And um, yeah, it it just ended up so great. It was just sort of this like, this this flurry of creativity and and a lot of things kind of just going you know just just turning out turning out well i think for me and i'm not being nice because i'm speaking to you because <laughs> i could be horrible to you if you wanted to and i could just edit out and then pretend nothing <laughs> happened um but it was the experience mm. that i've not it's very very rare that you see and i've we spoke i've spoken to this has come up quite a lot, you know, Twitch streaming and stuff like that, a game's kind of showing people as they're experiencing the game as opposed to doing like a kind of a stilted sterile mm-hmm. playthrough. But this was a case of it was Orange Nebula doing what they do best, which is kind of kind of pushing the brand instead of the game mm. and kind of pushing about the experience, which was this is the experience you could potentially have. And we're not actually even showing you really any of the components, which was mind blowing. Yeah. At the time. Yeah. Because as you say, it is a very kind of a big a big kind of good spec sheet. Um who came up with the idea for the the the, the titular line in the entire thing, <laughs> which was I love you, oatmeal dragon. Uh that was that would be me. Uh, as I was frantically writing this four hours prior to the actual shoot. So the video idea <laughs> that we ended up going with was not the one that we had originally planned. So it was wow. it was just sort of in this... I mean, it is uh, the creative process is so iterative and it is so nonlinear. Um, so I, I really do believe that all of the planning up until that point had kind of laid the foundation for this new idea to form. However, it, it was very unfortunate that I was... I had stayed up till three in the morning uh writing this thing uh because it popped into my head right before i was about to go to bed the night before the shoot um but yeah it was it probably in a in a sleep deprived state um yeah actually definitely because of my sleep deprived state that line is is kind of just what popped into my head 
That was just funny. I just, uh, yeah. <laughs> As I say, I know Mark. Um, I know Mark very well. Um, we share the same birthday. Um, oh wow! And, and Tom as well. So yeah, it's kind of like one of those strange things. You meet somebody across the other side of the world, and it turns out that you've got so much in common. It's ridiculous. Um, but there you go. But yeah, that was the one line because I asked him. I said, "Who came up with that?" And he says, "It was all you know." It was Christian came up with that. It was nothing to do with us. <laughs> so it was pretty. It was pretty cool. It does um, feel on brand for them, though. They're such a funny and, and quirky group. And that's why I had to ask the question because I listened to their podcast, the Outpost podcast, mm-hmm. um, and it's the, just the type of thing that they would kind of they would kind of come up with. Um, but what about you? And what about the kind of the future? I mean, are, are you mm. gonna are you are are you gonna go through? I mean, is this gonna be kind of like a different phase, a different stage? I mean, are you looking to make this into something more serious? Are you are you quite happy to say, look, I want a creative outlet where I can be creative, but I don't want to be staring at my medical insurance bill for this month and wondering how the hell I'm going to pay it because a gig <laughs> fell through kind of thing. Are you just looking at this saying, well, this allows me to do what I do? Yeah. Um, and it's in some ways it's controlled by other people as well because they'll give you a brief, I guess. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. is it, is is this where you're kind of wanting to to kind of be? Yeah, I think I think kind of uh, going back to the motivations for making content, um, which was a discussion we had earlier in this in this podcast, but the. I, I feel like I've gone through a lot of different phases with Take Your Chits and with TYC Creative where, um, you know, I considered just doing it for fun, you know, going a little harder at it and trying to make it a little bit more um, suitable for to, to, to work with brands and, and maybe seeing if I could make it into something that provided a full-time income for myself and building it in that way. And so, I you know, I've been on both sides of it and... I'm at the point now where, um, you know, as I've said, I've become a, I'm sort of in this more self-reflective phase and of my life. And, um, and while I'm in this phase, um, I've, I've really come to value, uh, creativity for the pure exercise of just being creative without really any bounds on that. And that is something that as I've, I mentioned earlier, as I've reflected back on my life, like I've, I've seen these instances where it is just such a integrated p- part of who I am. It, it's, it is to separate being creative or entertaining people um, from me or stifling that would be to just, you know, deny myself completely. And so yeah. um, I feel, I really feel like um, I've come to like peace with that and that I've started to accept that that is who I am. And because of that, I also am accepting that maybe I don't want to be creative, uh, you know, purely for the purpose of, uh, making a living or, you know, for monetary compensation. Yeah. And so, um, I still do TYC creative and I'm still run it. Um, because I still like working with brands and I still love being able to provide that value for, for companies and elevate their vision and, and in what they're doing. And, um, but for it, I I have no real, um, plans to like scale it up or hire more people or, 
um, at this point at least, um, and, and to make it into something much bigger than, than what it is right now. Um, and I've been on both sides of it with that, with that as well. Um, my initial, my, my initial plan was to kind of make it into this big, big thing, but, um, you know, where I'm at with it now is sort of, you know, just make things as they come and do a really freaking good job on them. And, um, but also I'm just more than happy to have a day job that is, you know, flexible and allows me to be able to pursue my creative whims whenever I feel like it. Um, yeah. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at with all that. And also you've said that your work, um, has a free gym membership as well. So I think that's, I think that's good. Yeah. Um, listen, thank you very, very much for coming on. Mm. Um, if people want to keep an eye on you on the internet webs, where do you exist on the internet webs? Yeah. Um, I, well, first of all, I just want to say thanks for having me on. This is a surprisingly great conversation and not, that's not a reflection of you as a host, but just me be, being uncomfortable with being on podcasts in general. This is a, a lot of fun <laughs> and I appreciate that for, for you making it so, so easy to kind of talk and, you know, be myself without feeling weird about it. <laughs> yeah, you're very, very welcome. <laughs> um, if people want to find me, you can find me at, obviously at Take Your Chits. So that's on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. YouTube is where I post most of the content. I haven't posted a video in a very long time, and I don't know when the next one will be, but it's not its not dead. Um, I hmm. do plan on eventually uploading something. Um, just hasn't felt like the right time. But I'm currently, I'm very much, much more active on my personal sort of creative stuff. Um, and that is, you can follow me at CK in between. And I'm mainly active on Instagram for the time being, but a lot more YouTube content will be coming shortly. Um, I'm working on a documentary actually about um, a recent trip that I took to Korea, which is um, where my that's my ancestral motherland and it was my right. first time to Korea in my entire life and and it was a really just life-changing experience something that I hadn't expected and I luckily I was able to I filmed a lot of that so I'm kind of creating a documentary through using that footage cool yeah excellent no excellent we will make sure that we put all those links in the show notes so that we have got notes to show if you want to keep an eye on what we're up to, just go to the internet webs and search for We're Not Wizards and you'll find us in all the different places and spaces and faces. Um, if you like what you've listened to tonight, then tell someone else, basically. That's how we <laughs> spread. Or, and if you like us even more, then consider dropping us a subscription at your podcast catcher of choice. Um, if you like us even more than that, then go to iTunes and drop us a rating or a review we've been going four years so i think we've earned at least four stars wow congratulations that's a long time at least it's just you know it's either that it was either that i would have if i'd done shoplifting i would have been out in two um (laughs) (laughs) um but there's only two more things to do the first thing is to remember that we are many things but we're not wizards Christian, are we wizards? Oh, heck no. Absolutely not. Get out of it. You better watch. Give us a couple of weeks. We'll be buff men ready to take you on. 
Um, and the second thing is to say goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I can't promise that. So it's a good, it's a goodbye from Christian. Say goodbye, Christian. Goodbye. And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe. Rule sixes. Make something awful. And until the next time, goodbye. A wizard is never late. Is he early? He arrives precisely when he means to.